Well, welcome again. We continue our series in the footsteps of Jesus. This morning we're looking at losing Jesus. And I know that was a, a fun little skit, but I hope insightful as well. And I invite you to walk back into this very interesting story that's only in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in the favor of God and the favor of man. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, as I said, we're looking at losing Jesus this morning. Well, Savannah and I love decorating for Christmas. You've heard that before from me. And uh, we love decorating the tree, all kinds of memorabilia. And, uh, and also around our tree uh, are some important things. We've got a train over to the side because we don't have one big enough to go around to the center. But what we have at the bottom to the left a little bit is a, is a manger scene. And uh, the one that we like best is a, is a pewter manger scene that's not very big. It's one that my mom sent me as a present for us for a memorabilia. And it's, it's really beautiful. And uh, like a lot of pewter things, it's, it's smaller, right? But it's got all the, it's got the, the manger, it's got Mary and Joseph has got some cattle and some sheep, and it's got the wise men and some camels. And then there's the manger with baby Jesus that's separate. And the manger is about this big, and baby Jesus is a little bit smaller. And uh, we also put some snow around that. And our cat likes to play with the decorations as well as, you know, the manger. And we have, from time to time, lost the baby Jesus, you know, because it tumbled out of there and it's in the snow. And so, I was Spanish goes, did you take the baby Jesus? You know, look for the baby Jesus. Sometimes we put it away for the year, and then we have it in a, in a box and unpack that and couldn't find it because we have all this fluff in there. So finally, and the most, uh, I suppose, un, well, not sacrilegious, but I, I scotch-taped the baby Jesus on the manger, and there it is, right? And, uh, but even now, sometimes we lose the whole manger because it's not that big. And so it's interesting, and I think telling in some ways, because I often think as we're in the busyness of Christmas, that sometimes like that, looking for the baby Jesus, that, that we've lost Jesus. We've lost the true purpose of Christmas. And I don't know, uh, in this story, as you sort of walk back into that as the backdrop, but how many of you, how many parents have lost a child before, briefly? Oh, you're brave to put up your hand. Good. I, I never really lost, lost Savannah, but... Um, 
I have, like, looked around as I was doing something and turned back, and she wasn't there. And in that moment, it's like my heart stopped, and then she was there. And, uh, and even now, she's older, but if I don't know where she is, it makes me nervous, right? And, and so it's kind of helpful if you look at this story to think about that as we think about Mary and Joseph. And it's interesting because Luke is the only gospel that records this moment. And I don't know whether the other gospel writers don't want to embarrass Mary and Joseph, right? Because this is an embarrassing story in some sense. And uh, Mary and Joseph are going to Jerusalem for the festival, happens it annually, and so they go, they go every year, we're told. And at this point, Jesus is 12. Now, it's important to know that that's just before, basically, in this faith and culture, 13, you're sort of uh, an adult in some sense, you know, in that, in that culture. And so Jesus is somewhat independent at 12, right? And probably had friends in this caravan. I love that. A caravan is like a minivan, only larger. Kind of like that. Uh, and, and so they leave Jerusalem and it was the custom at the time to travel in a caravan because it was bigger, it was safer, and it's sort of a rollicking, frolicking group of people. And we're told that there were friends and relatives there. So Jesus would naturally have his own friends and relatives. They're going along. And you can only imagine as Mary and Joseph are journeying, maybe they're talking to their friends and relatives. But maybe it comes towards evening. We're not told exactly when, about a day, you know, <laughs> maybe late night, and they begin to go like, well, where's Jesus? Isn't it about time for Jesus to be, you know, showing up for the tent for dinner or for bedtime or whatever? And then they begin, well, where's, when was the last time you saw Jesus? When was the last time you saw Jesus? Parents know what that's like, right? And then they go and ask friends and family, and they realize that Jesus is nowhere to be found. What a bad moment that is. So, and they panic, I'll bet. It doesn't say panic, but they were greatly concerned and have to travel back to Jerusalem by themselves, by the way, at that moment. We don't know that anyone else with them, which was dangerous. We don't know if it was the night, whether it's the morning, but you can only imagine Mary and Joseph just in a panic in this moment, and they began to look for Jesus in Jerusalem. And I want to just push pause for a moment and ask you, have you ever lost Jesus in the busyness of life? I have, haven't you? Maybe that's why Luke records this story, because he does say that Mary treasured these things. Maybe Mary was going, you know what? We're not the first. And, and I would just say, as a moment of encouragement, listen, if Mary and Joseph can lose Jesus, lose sight of Jesus, it's okay if you and I do occasionally, right? Right? Lost Jesus in the, in the busyness of good things, not bad things, you know? Bad things can be a distraction, but also good things. We get too caught up in the busyness of life and all the good things of life, and we lose sight of of Jesus. And that's why I think this story is so important. And so Mary and Joseph go back to Jerusalem, and this is somewhat embarrassing too. Where do they look? Well, Jerusalem is, by the way, a big place. We, we enjoyed that with our trip to the Holy Land. They, they look in the marketplace, and uh, got some pictures up here. Got some marketplace, and don't find Jesus. In mar marketplace is a huge place, by the way, and there's always other shops on the, on the side. And uh, he's not there in the theater, not there, and all these places. And look for Jesus for two days, for two days. And then finally, they decide to look in the temple. <laughs> finally, Mary and Joseph, who are selected by God as the earthly, you know, parents of Jesus, two days of searching before they look in God's house. Man, and I think maybe that is insightful for us. And so they find Jesus in God's house, in the temple. 
And Jesus is there talking to the rabbis and questioning. And when they say, well, Jesus, why are you here? And he says, why were you looking for me elsewhere? Do you not know I need to be in my father's house and about my father's business? Wow. So powerful. And I want to think about that for all of our lives this morning as we have lost track of Jesus from time to time. Where can you find Jesus? You can find Jesus in God's house, in a temple. I think there's at least two things that are in common with the temple in our church today and everywhere. And the first is that the church or the temple is where God's word is read and God's story is told. Where God's word is read and God's story is told. Now, that happens other places too, but that's always the case in God's house, where God's word is read and God's story is told. And, you know, there's so many things that distract us in our world today, and uh, a lot of good things. And also the news, which has some good in it, but a lot of negative things that are worth our concerns in our life. But if you just listen to that, that steady drum of negativity, then it's easy to lose sight of God's hope that he has for us, Right? But in God's house, it changes everything. First of all, we hear God's story, that God cared enough to come among us, not just to create the world and to create us, but also to care enough to come in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to share all of our our hurts and heartbreaks, and you hear that story. You hear the Christmas story, and you hear the Easter story that changes everything. And it's interesting, too, that this story is sometimes what's known as a classic three-day story. Sometimes it happens in the Bible and, uh, and has extra meaning, which is you see this, and Mary and Joseph are looking for Jesus for two days, looking everywhere, and they find him on the, on the third day, right? And in a very sense, maybe Luke shared that in one way, because in some sense it sort of foreshadows Good Friday, Dark Saturday, and Easter morning, doesn't it? Because someone asked Savannah, and she asked me, and or us, us together, I said, why do they call Good Friday Good Friday, right? Which is a really good question, because you sometimes just say that. We said, well, Good Friday, it's hard to imagine that it's good in some sense, because Jesus laid down his life on the cross, but the other sense is it's good because Jesus was willing to lay down his life on the cross, to pay the price for our forgiveness and sins, And then it's good because on the third day, Jesus rose that Easter morning, and that transforms Good Friday into a message of not just love, but also of hope of Easter morning, because Easter morning changed everything. And I think in a very real sense, that foreshadows as you look into this thing and think about Mary treasuring those things in her heart, that Jesus was saying, I must be about my father's business. It's so important to be directed in that way. And so to hear the story of God and to listen to God's word is so important. There's a great story that I love. It happened back in the 80s when uh, the Wisconsin Badgers were playing the uh, Michigan State Trojans, and it was on the football field, and it was October, and it was on a cold day, and uh, it didn't take long for people to realize that the better scene was Michigan State, <laughs> and uh, so they really outscored Wisconsin. But uh, 
after the first half, it looked like the game was over. There was odd points where the Wisconsin fans were standing up and they were cheering. And the newscasters, sportscasters were going, what is going on here? And that started to happen all over the place. And they came to find out that what was happening is they were listening on the radio to the Milwaukee Brewers who were playing in the World Series and were doing well. They were winning. And, uh, and so they were standing up and cheering at these odd moments when, you know, the uh, football team was getting uh, shown the way on the field. Well, I think in some sense, there is a sense in which, you know, that is a picture of our own lives, that in a very real sense, you know, sometimes we're in the, in the world, there's all these negative things happen, but if we're tuned into the hope of God's word on that frequency, that that transforms everything, even amidst all the, the darkness and some of the hate and disappointments of our world, that the good news of the gospel changes us so we hear and we listen to that frequency that changes everything. So God's house, where God's word is read and God's story is told, and then also in God's house where, where God's people gather and God's love is shared. Jesus says in Matthew 18, do you recall, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And so when we gather as a family of faith, God's presence is with us in a special way. Now, God is with us wherever we go, but when we gather together, there's something very special that's happening. So we're celebrating God's love every Sunday around the communion table and other kinds of things, but we're sharing God's love. And Jesus said, by your love, they will know that you are my disciples. And so we share God's love with each other. Now, I know, as you know, only all too well, that God's family is an imperfect family, right? Just like my family, and if you're honest, your family is an imperfect family, right? And so we have our faults, but the difference is that God overshadows that, I think, when we share in God's love, that God's agape love, the agape love that is a love that transcends everything, that God's love is first and foremost in God's house. And so when we lose Jesus, we can find Jesus in God's house because there, there God's word is shared and God's story is told. There is where God's people gather. There is where God's love is felt and shared in a special and, and powerful way. And where are you in the start of a, a new year? If you've lost sight of Jesus or lost Jesus as the first priority of your life, are you here to hear God's word and to, and to listen to the story of God and to share God's love in an important way and to, to feel God's love? And many times it isn't just the word being spoken. Sometimes your word of encouragement to someone else is the very thing that they really needed. Or sometimes just a hug. Sometimes when someone has lost a loved one and they know that you've experienced that and you don't have the right words. Well, the reason you don't have the right words is because there are no right words. But sometimes you just share a loving embrace then and you tell them that you care about them and you're praying for them. Or someone's been through a dark chapter. And I know so many times people have shared with me that someone was going um, through a chapter with cancer and, and they shared that someone else who'd been through that came to them and just shared a word of hope with them and, and said they'll be praying for them and how much that meant to them. Friends, sometimes you don't know that those little things that we do as individuals are so important as we share God's love and we feel God's love among us as we pray and we gather around God's table and ask for God's blessing in our lives, how powerful that is. Now, in case you've lost your way, I just want to read again what Denise read earlier, because Jeremiah shares it so beautifully, the, 
the word that he shared in his letter to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were captured and taken away in the Babylonian Empire, who were experiencing challenge and adversity. And Jeremiah not only shares a word of hope that is so great in terms of a promise, but also shares how to find God. Listen to what he says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to me. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. You know, for all of us as God's people, we do need occasionally to seek and find each other. And the most important thing is that Christ is the center. God's word never says that we all need to think exactly the same or believe exactly the thing about everything. But at the center is Christ and Christ's saving purpose in our life. So many people have echoed through history, and I I love that, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, diversity, but in all things, charity or love. In essentials, unity, and non-essentials, diversity, but in all things, charity or God's love. How are we doing about that? You don't have to believe exactly the same as all the neighbors. That would be kind of boring. But what's important is we keep Christ at the center and Christ's love at the center. And you and I, with all of our gifts and talents and a word of encouragement, come together and serve God as God's family. How powerful and life-changing that can be for you and I and anyone who's lost their way. I'll close with a couple true stories, and one is of Brene Brown. I don't know if you know Brene Brown or heard of her. She's one of those multi-million views on YouTube uh, for a TED Talk, and that kind of brought her into fame. But she studies leadership and vulnerability and other kinds of things, and she writes and speaks. She's really great. And anyway, she was sharing in one of these leadership seminars that I was listening to, and, and she was saying uh, about finding her way, and she said that, during COVID, just as COVID was subsiding, she decided she needed something in her life again. It was missing something. And she decided she was going to go back to church. And she just mentioned, she said, you know, one of the things about a church is it's not perfect, but I really love that they say, peace be with you and also with you, back and forth to your neighbor. And then she went on with her talk. And at the end of the talk, there was a Q&A session. And so someone said, well, for some of us who don't go to church, aren't church people, what is this peace be with you and also with you? Oh, and she said, oh, good question. Let me explain it. She said, well, for a lot of the churches and my church and obviously this church too, this part of the service for, for us, it's the communion service, after the prayer of confession and the pronouncement of forgiveness, uh, you turn to your neighbor and you say, peace be with you, and they say, and also with you. And she said, that meant so much to me. In our world that is so full of conflict and strife and so polarized and politicized, to have a moment where we're turning to our neighbor and say, peace be with you, and also with you. Doesn't mean they're perfect, but she said, that guiding principle, I needed to hear that voice. And she says, I don't know about you, but for me, she said, she, I, she lives in Texas and Houston, she said, well, uh, for me, the grocery store is less than two miles away, and I said, on my way to the grocery store, I can be flipped off by a couple people in different cars just in a mile and a half, right? And she says, so I needed that voice that says, peace be with you, and also with you, because we need to hear the voice of peace and love, God's forgiveness and grace. 
And so we find God in God's house. Not perfect people, but an imperfect family of faith striving to put Christ first and Christ at the center of what we do. And the second one was um, Bobby Bowden. I had a friend who's um, in Virginia Beach, a sports fan like I am, and he heard that the Virginia Beach Sports Club was having a dinner, and Bobby Bowden was the guest. Now, Bobby Bowden, if you don't know, hopefully you do know, is the, just this legendary coach of the Florida State Seminoles, one of the winningest football coaches of all time in college football. And so he thought, well, you know, Saturday evening, I can get a nice meal, I can listen to some football stories, and all will be good. So he went there, he got this dinner, sat with some friends, and Bobby Bowden got up and, and uh, really didn't talk that much about football, instead he talked about his faith, he shared his testimony. And he talked about these incidents in football that happened where people got distracted and had to get back. And his, sort of his text that he kept coming back was Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. And how people had not guarded their heart, had the wrong values, and been sort of distracted towards not the best things, not the best results, but found their way back. And so after this talk, uh, my friend who's a pastor went up to him. He stood in line for a while because he thought it would be great to shake hands with Bobby Bowden. And he said, listen. Coach Bowden, when he finally got there, Coach Bowden, he said, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and i got to preach tomorrow morning, and I just wanted to say thanks for the sermon. <laughs> and Bobby Bowden winked and said, you betcha. He said, well, you know what? I could have gone on from Proverbs 4.23 to Matthew 7 and then John 3.16. He said, blessings in your sermon. And he just smiled at the chance to uh, share his faith and to share the lessons of people who've gone off track and found their way back. And that was more important than all the awards and all the trophies he'd received as a coach because he knew what the most important thing is in life. And so I challenge you in this new year, because it still is a new year, we're still in January as you set your track on the year that, listen, if you've lost Jesus, take some comfort in the fact that Mary and Joseph lost Jesus, okay? <laughs> but do what Mary and Joseph did. Realize you've lost Jesus, and instead of looking everywhere else for the answers of life, look in God's house. In God's house where, where Jesus is. And by the way, Jesus asks questions, so so can you, okay? It's all right to ask some questions, but listen for the answers too. In God's house where God's story is read and shared and God's word is read, and in God's house where God's family gathers and God's love is felt, and we share God's love. Amen? We join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your love and grace and the way that you lead us and guide us along the way of life. Thank you for this true story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. As Luke whispers to us and reminds us that we all can lose our way. We can lose sight of Jesus with the busyness of life and many of the good things of life. But if we've lost Jesus, we know where to find him. For he's here in God's house, where your word is read and your story is shared, where your people gathered, and where your love is felt and shared. We pray this in Christ's name, and God's people said, Amen.